Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Galvin? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 47. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And uh, we're recording this in the middle of the first round, actually towards the end of the first round of the NFL Draft. The Eagles have just made their selection, and joining me to talk about it is the man from the Kist and Solak show. He's also with BleedingGreenNation.com, Michael Kist. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL. I got your Twitter name right there, didn't I, buddy? Yeah, you got it, man. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it's we tweet each other all the time, but it's not. I'm not as used to saying like at Brandon Gowton, you know, who's who's doing the hard work on the website right now, and obviously, yep. you know, he'll be chatting with you guys on some podcasts here over the weekend and as the uh, as the draft continues. But we wanted to get a rapid reaction podcast up uh, after the Eagles picked, and they picked a little bit sooner than we were expecting, Mike, because they moved up three spots in the first round from 25 to 22 and select Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, out of Washington. State. They gave up a fourth and a sixth this year to to move up those three spots. And Michael, I think we are both over the moon at this selection. Uh, just it's a really solid player at a position where I think this team is obviously going to need a new left tackle here in the very near future. What's great about this, John, is the fact that I had a BGN draft special. It was BGN draft special number two with Brandon Thorne to talk about offensive tackles. And Brandon's one of the the best minds when it comes to offensive linemen. He was at the OL Mastermind Summit with Duke Mannyweather, training there with with Lane Johnson and Teron Armstead and all that stuff. So we talked about these draft prospects. And when we got to Andre Dillard, we were both a little bit lower on him than like the first crop of offensive tackles there. But then we talked about where would be his best fit. And we said it had to be somewhere like a place like Philadelphia with a coach like Jeff Stoutland, who has a history of developing linemen because, you know, at Washington State, he was only so asked to do so much at that in that scheme. So he did need some development. We saw some development in his hands throughout the year. You know, we watched him in a linear fashion and said, we can see these things improving throughout the year. He's trying new things. They're working for him. So and not only that, you get a super, super athletic offensive tackle as far as any of the offensive tackles in this draft he fit what the eagles like at their tackle position i mean for a long time for his career jason peters was an elite athlete lane johnson still an elite athlete at the tackle position and now you throw in dillard who you don't have to switch somebody like cody ford from right tackle to left tackle or anything like that he's played left tackle you fit him in there and you are really cooking. I love the fit with Dillard with Jeff Stoutland to be able to develop him. He doesn't need to start right away, which is awesome. But offensive tackle is a position I've been pounding the table for for the last couple of years because of the situations they've been putting themselves in. And now they have their bodyguard 2.0 of the future. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, man. I'm super happy. 
Yeah, Carson Wentz has to be ecstatic here. I mean, yeah. obviously, all the playmakers that he has around him now through the uh, trade uh, trade market and free agency this year has certainly helped. But uh, now he knows, I think, that he's got a guy guarding his backside who will, will ably replace uh, Jason Peters. And Jason Peters is a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, tr- saying that, yeah. you know, that we've got a, a Jason Peters quote-unquote replacement here is is uh, not doing Andre Dillard any favors <laughs> just yet. But obviously, like you said, there's some, there's some work to be done here. But the goal is that... That he will be, he will take over at left tackle uh, for Jason Peters. What are some of the things that he needs to work on, though, uh, with, with Jeff Stoutland uh, this year? As obviously he's going to be second string, probably third string, unless they trade Big V, right? Yeah, and I think trading Big V is definitely on the table now, considering that they want to develop Jordan Mailata behind him. That's something we talked about on the Kiston Solak show. If they did draft a tackle early, that Big V would probably be on the trade block. So we'll see how this develops throughout the weekend and if a move happens then or if it happens later. But I think you can definitely get some value out of him and then you can protect Jordan Mailata without having to keep too many offensive linemen on there. But as far as Dillard goes with his development at Washington State, he was asked to take a lot of the same sets, a lot of same vertical sets in that offense. Now, what you're going to see is he's going to have to learn angle sets and jump sets and, and these different things that go along with that. But, you know, he has time to be able to learn those, which is, uh, again, just make to fit that much even better. It doesn't have to start right away. Is with a a play uh, with a coach in Jeff Stoutland that has developed offensive linemen in college since I think 1988, somewhere around there. So the variety in the pass sets wasn't there on film, and that's why he was a really hard eval for me because I wasn't sure how much was translatable to the NFL. But then you watch him at the at the NFL Combine, and the, the way that the guy moves, and the fluidity and the flexibility throughout his body, I don't think there's a pass set that's really going to give him an issue. We just never really got to see it at Washington State. So, you know, again, some development needed, but the mold of clay that we have now given Jeff Stoutland is a really, really pretty one. And it's interesting because, you know, we can talk about the value for what they gave up to trade up. The Houston Texans were so desperate to get an offensive tackle that if the Eagles wanted Dillard, they had to be aggressive and move up and go get him. Because as you saw in the next pick, Titus Howard, from Alabama State, <laughs> went to the Houston Texans. No one saw him as a first-rounder. He only started getting first-round buzz, I want to say, maybe a couple of days ago. And even then, I felt like it was a massive reach. Like, that guy's super unrefined. Like, yeah. the Houston Texans should be jailed for not jumping up and going Dillard if they wanted him. And then they panicked, it seems, and took Titus Howard, who Titus Howard would have been, like, a, an option for the Eagles. And, I mean, I was mocking him there in round four a month ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me how that all worked out. But, you know... Again, going back to Dillard, this guy, e- even with the stuff that he has to work on in the lower level of competition, because let's, let's keep in mind, I think the best pass rusher he saw last year was Justin Hollins out of Oregon is going to be a day three guy. Now, he erased him from the game, but he hasn't seen the different types of rusher than, let's say, a Jonah Williams has seen in the SEC you know, for years. But on the positive side, you look at the analytical profile for Andre Dillard, 0.44% blown block percentage on pass reps. That is the Ooh. lowest in the class yeah. per the Sports Info Solutions 2019 Rookie Handbook. So there's some good things to work with there. No doubt. And uh, this is obviously a guy that the Eagles really, really liked. I wonder how high they had him up on their draft board because uh, they, at, at a certain point, it looked like the way the board was falling that the Eagles had a number of players that they could have selected at 25. They could have even probably traded down a couple of spots because there were there were enough players there that made sense as as fits for the Eagles that kind of fit their scheme. You know, they, we heard a lot about wide receivers um, in the in the first round. The Eagles looking at a lot of those guys, but. Obviously, seeing Dillard fall 
to the early 20s where he did, he had to be really high up on, on Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas's draft board in order for them to, to, to give up a fourth and a sixth because, you know, the, that's not a small price to pay when you consider the fact the Eagles don't have a third rounder this year. So it's going to make uh, days two and three a little bit lighter. But but like you said, they, you know, when you know that you have to get up ahead of a team that, that's a fourth and a sixth rounder, okay, you know, you, you make that move and, and you go up and you get Jason Peters' uh, replacement uh, after after next season. Is is there any part of you that's a little disappointed that they didn't get somebody who might make a real impact here in 2019? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we heard the rumors that the Eagles might be moving up to 13. We heard that before the draft, and then we heard that as the pick was coming up, and apparently they were on the phone with the Dolphins, and then the Dolphins said, well, you want this guy, Christian Wilkins. Maybe we also kind of want this guy, and I guess those <laughs> trade talks fell apart. Now, we don't know. You know, we, we may never know if that was true, if that was who was on the line, but Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network tweeted out something very similar as well. So I think there was serious juice behind the story that the Eagles wanted to move up to 13 to grab Christian Wilkins, who was a commonly mocked target for the Philadelphia Eagles, and the SB Nation writers mock, I pounded the table for Wilkins. BLG ended up selecting him in that. So I think that was someone of definite interest for the Eagles, probably ranked higher on their board, just like mine, uh, as far as that goes. But again, now you're talking about what, what would it have cost to go get Wilkins at 13? Yeah. It definitely would have cost one of those second round picks, yeah. no doubt. But now you're only talking about moving a fourth and a sixth. And let's talk about a six-round pick. What's he really doing? Is he even <laughs> going to make the roster? Can you guarantee that? Now, yeah. the fourth-round pick, maybe you maybe you land a guy and get lucky like an Avante Maddox, something like that. But the hit rate on fourth-rounders are about 10%, and they still have another one as well. And they still have both their second-round picks. So what are you really losing out of that when you're talking about a premium position and a guy that you can develop a stout that's a great fit? I, I have no issues with the trade-up at all. They obviously, again, had to do it to get in front of 23 so sometimes you get you got to spend money to make money well and this also you know really works into the Eagles philosophy of building through the lines I mean, we, we, we heard all I mean right. this is obviously a very deep draft for defensive linemen and I think a lot of people thought that it was going to end up being a defensive tackle or an edge rusher that the Eagles landed at number 25 simply because there were so many. And we know how much the Eagles love to rotate their defensive linemen through. It's one of the reasons they won the Super Bowl back in the two, after the 2017 season. Uh, but, uh, you know, instead they go they go offensive tackle here. How did the board kind of fall? As you were watching the draft to un- unfold, and we'll get into some of the uh, some of the early picks by uh, by some of the other teams in the NFC East and what the Raiders did earlier we'll get into that in just a second but as you watch some of these players come off the board you saw some of these runs on on defensive linemen at different points did it start to feel to you like things were really going the Eagles way and if so like at at what point here in the first round were you thinking you know this board's really kind of shaping up a little bit better than maybe we were thinking it would I think it was a pick eight when I tweeted out something about all of my trade-up targets being there. Now, one of them was Ed Oliver, and he went at nine. So he was immediately off the board, right? Yeah. And then the, the Steelers traded up for Devin Bush. Jonah Williams went at 11. He was another one of my guys I would have traded up for. Rashawn Gary going at, at 12 was uh, a, a huge an absolutely huge relief for me because we had heard that the Eagles were going to be interested in him and might be interested in trading up for him if Wilkins was gone. So that was nice. But as far as the other guys, I mean, I was really looking for Brian Burns. I think a lot of people knew that, Mm -hmm. but he he ended up going to 16. But still, I looked at the board. I'm thinking, you know, 
Bradbury's still there. Cody Ford is still there. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons was still there. He ended up going. But like there were a lot of people that I was very comfortable with taking at 25 if they were just going to sit. I mean, Chauncey Garner-Johnson is still out there. Some safety prospects that I like. And Nasir Adderley. Darnell Savage, by the way, who I've been pounding the table for, ends up going at 21 to the Green Bay Packers. And I was told by several people he wouldn't go in the first round. But it's whatever. I was really on the hype train. It's cool. But look, <laughs> overall, I was a, especially with Cody Ford falling and, and some of the past rushers i was very okay with the way that the board was falling because they could have stuck and they could have taken you know jerry tillery you know we saw yeah. josh jacobs go at 24 to the oakland raiders while we're recording here but you know cody ford is still out there marquise mm. brown went at 25 we could have sat at 25 and taken him so there were a lot of different players that i liked and then also players that i maybe didn't like but like the scheme fit with marquise brown where i was very comfortable with where we were at and I still like that we were aggressive to go get a premium position. So I love the way the board felt. The Eagles played it right. Very happy with it. Absolutely. I mean, and, and Howie Roseman was uh, is telling the media um, that, you know, they know it was a lot to give up a four and a six, but uh, they felt he was the best offensive lineman in the draft, uh, is, what, is what Howie Roseman said. <laughs> so, yeah, not bad. You give up a fourth and a sixth uh, to go get the best offensive lineman in the draft and uh, your eventual Jason Peters replacement. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's, why, that's why we love Howie Roseman. He is aggressive, but, uh, you know, any worries or concerns that the Eagles were going to do something stupid here in the first round, that's just not the way this team is operated they have a a first class front office and generally speaking generally speaking they they make more right moves than they do wrong moves so um up next uh we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about how the um uh some of the other teams in the nfc east did they've made some big moves for the future as well as we snicker and chuckle just a little bit and uh we'll also make fun of the raiders and uh take a look at what the eagles might do on days two and three of the draft on saturday on friday and saturday that's up next here on BGN Radio. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. Michael Kiss, John Stolnes here with you. Uh, wrapping up the Eagles' uh, first-round selection again, they select Andre Dillard, offensive tackle from Washington State. Uh, this was an interesting first round here, Michael. Uh, obviously, the first couple of picks went according to script, with Kyler Murray going number one overall to the Cardinals. Nick Bosa went two to the 49ers. Uh, Quinnen Williams went number three to the Jets. But uh, uh, that's when... That's when things started to get a little fun, when the Oakland Raiders, who have had a very interesting last couple of weeks uh, leading up to the draft, uh, that's when they got involved, Mike. What did the Raiders do that had everybody scratching their heads? At number four overall, they take Cleland Farrell, 
the edge rusher out of Clemson, a guy that I had 23rd on my board overall. A lot of edge rushers I liked ahead of him. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, that that's still a, a solid high second round grade for me and, and a top 30 player, top 25 player. But man, I don't think anyone expected that in front of in front of Josh, uh, Josh Allen, in front of Ed Oliver, in front of all these other great defensive linemen. You take a guy who's, you know, it doesn't have the prototypical speed up the arc and the bend that you really covered in the top five. The tools you really want to work with still solid for him. Really polished hands gave Jonah Williams some trouble with his length and his hand polish and everything like that. But like, I mean, you if you tried to mock the Raiders. You failed. Whoever you are, whoever you picked, no one, absolutely no one saw that coming. Farrell was a guy that we could probably see going in the teens and maybe even being there when the Eagles picked at 25. Yeah, I saw so, a couple of mocks with him at the Eagles at 25. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Raiders felt because they had so many picks, they didn't need to trade down and stockpile more and, and take him at a more reasonable position. Maybe they got stuck and they panicked. I don't I don't know what's going on. I love Mike Mayock. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, he's got a great mind for this, but... I mean, you just have to start to, to question how that whole draft started. And they're about to pick again here soon. So we'll see what they do and see if they can start to salvage things. But it's it was a bonkers start to the draft. And as we look at some of the teams in the division, um, we all made fun of the New York Giants last year for taking Saquon Barkley number two. And, and Saquon's a hell of a running back. He's going to yeah. be a great player in this league. No doubt about the fact that he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. But when you had such a need at quarterback and you had a, a, a pretty good draft for quarterbacks, uh, it was ridiculous that they ended up passing on taking a quarterback at number two and going with Barkley. Now, this year, this is the year in a weak quarterback draft, Mike, they decide to go get their franchise quarterback and uh, at picking number six overall, they go after Daniel Jones uh, from Duke. How hard were you laughing when Dave Gettleman actually pulled the trigger on this one, buddy? <laughs> Look, I, I, I tweeted out right beforehand. I'm like, this is Daniel Jones' territory. This is it right here. Do it. Pull the trigger, man. And like, he pulled I, the trigger. He did it. He did oh, it. I really beautiful. can't believe what the Giants have done in this draft. And I, and I think that's hyperbolic on my part because I really can, you can believe, believe it. it. <laughs> right. But if you've been listening to the QB Sco Show here on Bleeding Green Nation, I've been begging, I've been praying to gods I don't even necessarily believe in just to have some celestial insurance, but begging hard for the Giants to take Daniel Jones. And and Dexter Lawrence is just a massive cherry on top at 17. Daniel Jones, by the way, my 91st ranked overall player. It's weird that he never got oh, like the one read label, but he ran more zero to one step or quick game concepts than any other quarterback in this draft. And I got to see him live in Mobile for the Senior Bowl during the week there are practices. And from seeing him there and seeing his tape, people see him as this big arm quarterback. And let me tell you, that deep ball that he has, it flutters and it unravels like a ball of yarn. So he doesn't even have the deep ball going for him, which... You could at least say about Davis Webb, who they selected a couple of years ago. The guy is not accurate after his first read. Serious concerns with his tape. This is great news for Eagles fans. And then the other guy, Dexter Lawrence at 17, he was a guy that I was scared to death when you talked about earlier, like the way the board was falling. Yeah. After Sean Gary went, the next guy I was really concerned about the Eagles taking was Dexter Lawrence. So, I mean, this guy is a 1990s nose tackle. He's Danny Shelton. And it's appropriate because Gettleman is so very obviously stuck in the 90s when it comes to his roster construction philosophy, his draft philosophy. It's absurd. Lawrence never developed his game at Clemson. I scouted him last offseason to take a peek at his game in the upcoming class, I had to go back 
and check his freshman tape because I didn't understand the hype. He doesn't offer much pass rush. Uh, a team's passed more on second down now, by the way. He's not a two-down player. He's a one-down player, and he's a downgrade from Snacks, who is gone. The Giants have gotten worse at every step in this process during <laughs> the offseason, and they have wasted a chance to right the ship, in my opinion, with two first-round picks. I was smiling ear to ear when both the selections came in. I couldn't be happier, happier about the job that Gettleman is doing. When they selected Daniel Jones, I... I screamed. It was amazing. <laughs> the, 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 BG, uh, the BGN Radio Slack channel uh, has been a fun place to be tonight. <laughs> that, was one of the, that was one of the more fun places to be when the Giants yeah. uh, selected Daniel Jones. That was terrific. Um, and then, you know, I'm based out of uh, the, the Washington, D.C. area here, and so I've been listening to uh, their sports radio station, The Fan, up here, and a lot of, a lot of the reporting uh, that uh, he, in, inside the, the Redskins building was that uh, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen were taking over control of the first round of the draft. Draft. Uh, that, that basically they wanted Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback at number 15, and the football people inside the building wanted to go another direction. Well, Snyder and Allen, because they're the two biggest heads in the building and the two most important guys in the building, got their way, and they selected Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins at number 15. I don't know how good a pro Dwayne Haskins is going to be, but I, I find it a, a little bit dis- I would find it a little bit disconcerting if I were a Washington fan that these two guys, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, who haven't been able to do anything right since Dan Snyder took over the team, is in control of the first round. Yeah, and it's interesting, and they're actually picking right now. They traded up. They traded a second round this year and a second round next year to come and trade up to this 26th spot, and they took Montez Sweat, the edge rusher, out of Mississippi State. So we have to talk about that as well. But let's go back to Haskins for a second as you reset your notes there. But Haskins, it's it's interesting with with the Redskins, and you heard about all the dysfunction going on in, in that front office. It was interesting because people thought that they were going to try to trade up into the top five to go get Haskins. Now, they don't end up doing that, so they dodge a bullet there, which is good for them. But how many times does bad process from a front office, dysfunctional process from a front office, pay dividends? Not very much. And the way that they treated Kirk Cousins, and and now they have Dwayne Haskins here, which, I mean, they had to make a move at quarterback. With Kyler Murray going to the Cardinals, I really thought that either the Giants or the Redskins would be in play for Josh Rosen, who I would have ranked higher than Dwayne Haskins coming into this draft. I only had one first-round grade on a quarterback this year. It was Kyler Murray. The rest were not even close, really. And Haskins, you love what you got. And, and, you know, if you listen again to the QB Sco show, we've talked a lot about Haskins. His plus is his pre-snap mental processing. The guy gets the game, even as a one-year starter, very inexperienced. But at the same time, put him on a board. He knows what he's looking at. He understands the process of what's right, wrong, so on and so forth. But then there comes a point during the play in the post-snap process where you're like, just get it that you you see it. Just get it there. And yeah. there's also an accuracy issue with him. I don't like his deep ball. I mean, I watched a stretch of the Purdue game or the, the big upset there. And it was from the end of the third quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was some of the worst like draft eligible quarterback play that I had seen in all of my studies. So there are some definite warts now. He can definitely develop into a decent quarterback. 
I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback, but he is going to take some time. I don't know if he wins that starting job right away, and he might be better off sitting. The Redskins might have to sit this year out. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. So Haskins, to me, really doesn't scare me. Like, if you put Haskins around a bunch of weapons, like, if Haskins were to go to the Giants, let's just say they had Saquon and Odell still, they had Sterling Shepard, they have Evan Ingram. If he went to that team, I would be more scared. He's more of a facilitator. I think that's a good way to put it. With the Redskins, I don't think they have the weapons to where Haskins scares you anywhere in the near future. And you mentioned Montez Sweat uh, gets selected uh, by the Redskins at uh, number 26. And uh, Mike Garofolo was reporting that um, Redskins, uh, Redskins coaches uh, and everybody uh, not named Bruce Allen and uh, Dan Snyder wanted immediate help with a first-round pick, like a pass rusher. And so um, they eventually, you know, it seems as though both sides kind of got their way here. Um, Montez Sweat's a name we heard linked to the Eagles a lot at number 25 as well. What are your thoughts mm. on, on him? No, I think he's a doggone good pass rusher. I'm a little bit more down on Sweat than I think a lot of people were. I know eventually I started to come around and he started to move up my board. He ended up moving up to 24th overall. So, you know, I, 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 like, I like the value there. But they also did give up two second-round picks, one this year, one next year, to go get him. The, the whole question with Sweat, and he's a doggone good football player, extremely long, fantastic length. You know, going to use that length to dictate terms to offensive linemen, going to be productive that way, going to be solid against the run. So I think he's going to be a productive player in the NFL. What we don't know, and the reason that he fell after he ran that 4-4-1 at the Combine and everyone right. talked about him as a top 10 lock, the reason he fell was the heart issue. Now, that was dispelled somewhat earlier today, Ian Rappaport reporting that maybe they didn't measure his heart valves or whatever it was correctly. Then he went to his own specialist and they said that, oh, they measured it wrong. Everything's fine. So on and so forth. I don't know if I necessarily believe that with the way that he fell. If teams were comfortable with that medical evaluation, I think he would have gone a lot higher. So I, I from what we heard, you know, he wasn't on the Eagles board because of that issue still, even after that report. So it's interesting that he would be on the Redskins board and they would use a lot of capital to go up and get him. Now, if his heart's fine, from what we understand, you know, it, it's it's an issue where they have to keep certain equipment around, which they already do. So it's a minimal adjustment to kind of keep it around him, you know, more consistently. But at the same time, what happens if you, you, you never want to talk about like that type of possibility, but there's a reason he fell. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what is going to happen with Sweat. I think he's a good pick for the Redskins. They gave up a lot to go get him. I think he's going to be a productive player. But there are concerns there that made him drop that I'm not necessarily comfortable with, and I think a lot of other teams weren't comfortable with. Well, before we get to what the Eagles might do here uh, on days two and three, uh, I'm just uh, scrolling through the Twitter timeline to get some uh, reaction, and, and Howie Roseman um, is speaking to the media. He admitted that the Eagles were trying to move ahead of the Ravens to number 21 uh, before they, he made a deal with them, which kind of indicates, <laughs> I think, that they were looking at Marquise Brown. Yeah. It seemed like Hollywood was the guy until uh, until Dillard began to fall a little bit in the draft. Um, uh, Dougie Peterson is, uh, is pretty happy about it because... Uh, um, he was asked about uh, the fact that, that Dillard didn't get to do a whole lot of running, uh, run blocking in Washington State. And he was asked right. about that. And he said, well, that's why Coach Stoutland's here. You know? yep. So, you know, it seems as though they plan on, on coaching up the kid. And, and the nice thing is that they have a year to do it uh, with Jason Peters still on the team for at least one more season. So Yeah, and that's a good note. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but that is a no. good note. And I neglected to mention that running the ball is definitely not a concern of Mike Leach, and nor was it for the Washington State offense. And that was a, a, a 
part in his game that I dinged him on his final grade, which kind of moved him down my board. So yeah, he's definitely going to have to develop as a run blocker and just get more comfortable with it, you know, as we move through this process. But yeah, de- definitely something, an area where Stoutland is going to have to coach him up. So that's a good point. And I, I mentioned, I wondered where he was on the Eagles board. Roseman did say that he was in their top 10. They saw him as a top 10 player. So yeah, um, that just tells you everything you need to know about why they did what they did. So as we get ready for days two and three here, uh, Michael, uh, two second round picks, uh, and then uh, they have a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder and a couple of sevens if I'm remembering correctly right yeah and oh boy oh boy the the Raiders just took Jonathan Abram the safety out of Mississippi State who I was concerned was going to be a target for the Eagles at 25 because I have a (laughs) early third round grade on Jonathan Abram these teams were really helping us out like he's a I mean, and back in back in the '90s, he would have been a first round prospect, top five pick, no problem. He just he's going to have problems covering people. That guy's a trendsetter. I mean, he set such a tone that he ended the spring game early for Mississippi State because he knocked out one of his teammates. That's how physical that Abram oh, wow. is. But going into the people that the Eagles, you know, might be looking at in the second round, safety is a position where you're still Nasir Adderley. Juan Thornhill from Virginia on the board, Deontay Thompson from Alabama. There's a lot of these single high safeties out there that the Eagles could be looking at. And then, you know, you're looking at the running back position. Darrell Henderson from Memphis starts to come into consideration around 53-57. We've heard a lot about Miles Sanders, the running back out of Penn State, being somebody that the Eagles really like in the second round. So, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that they can take this. There were still a lot of burners, too. I mean, we got with all the hype around Marquise Brown, there's only been, so far as we're recording, one wide receiver selected. There were seven wide receivers that ran in the four threes at the combine. Mm-hmm. So there was plenty of speed still out there if the Eagles are looking to possibly replace and then trade Nelson Aguilar. So a lot of different ways they can go with this. They can still look for edge rush help. Christian Miller from Alabama, Chase Winovich from Michigan are guys I really like in that area. A lot of the wide receivers I mentioned, J.J. Arcega-Whitesides, the guys that we didn't talk about a whole lot, but I can confirm at a Stanford Pro Day that one scout had him at 4.38, another scout had him at 4.39. He's a tall tree to run that fast, so he mm-hmm. fits the mold of the type of receivers that they've been bringing in. Debo Samuel, the wide receiver out of South Carolina, who gives you inside-outside versatility, would be a fantastic replacement for what Nelson Aguilar has been giving us and maybe a little bit more. So there are a lot of different options. They can go a lot of different ways, and I'm, I'm extremely excited. I mean, they can still go interior offensive line. They can still go Drew Samia from Oklahoma in the second round and upgrade over Isaac Siamalu, who's on a tentative contract. So tons of different ways they can go. They still got those second-round picks. I feel good about it, man. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple days as the Eagles look to fill out their roster and uh, maybe get some contributors for 2019 in addition to uh, further down the road. But everybody's got to be happy with uh, getting Andre Dillard, again, a top 10 player in the draft, according to Howie Roseman, and moved up three spots from 25 to 22 to go get him. Uh, The uh, future replacement uh, for Jason Peters, if all goes according to plan. Uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure, buddy. We don't get to do this very often, but obviously your expertise on all this uh, is fantastic. Fantastic. And um, I will ask the question you usually ask your partner. Any final thoughts uh, for the gentle listeners out there? I mean, just be happy that we're in the NFC East and uh, and, and the Giants and Gettleman will hopefully live forever. That That's really it, man. The, the division is helping us out. They're restarting with new quarterbacks. We got our quarterback back, baby, and we got another protector for him. And we got a long way to go in this draft process. We're just getting better every moment, baby. 
Absolutely. Well, make sure to keep listening to the Kiston Solak show, as I know you do, and uh, for BLG uh, when he's uh, uh, popping on here over this uh, over the next couple of days to give you his draft analysis. And of course, uh, BLG and I will be back uh, next week for another BGN Radio. But uh, you'll listen for another QB Sco show and all the other different uh, shows that we have for you here as part of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Again, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five star review and a rating when you're there. A rating and a five star review for us uh, that'll help us out a lot uh, in, in getting Eagles fans. Uh, tuned up here for the NFL draft over the next couple of days. That'll do it for this episode of BGN Radio. My thanks to Michael Kist. Again, follow Michael on Twitter at NFL. I'm John Stolness at John Stolness on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the ball. B G N.